Welcome to the RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. As you prepare your heart to receive today's word, we pray that you are encouraged, inspired, and uplifted. Memorial Day weekend. I, there's a lot of things I could have talked about today, but I know where I'm at. I know I'm at a military base. I know I'm at a military chapel. I could talk about those who have fallen. I could talk about things that have happened before us. But I want to focus in on a word today. And I want to focus in on the word legacy. I want to focus on the word legacy. I have a bunch of military veterans in my family. Uh, from my grandfathers to my father was Army. Uh, I, I, it's, I'm surrounded by it. There was no other path for me to go. Uh, all of them served in the Army, so I went to the Coast Guard. Right out of high school, went to the Coast Guard for five years, spent some time away from the military, came back into the Air Force. So military veterans are around my whole family. So when we get into family reunions and talk about discussions after all the jabs come across from different branches, one thing I can tell you is all about the legacy that they leave me, the legacy that they have left me. And those that have gone on before me and my family have taught me. And legacy is huge. It's huge. The word is huge. Because there's so much, I guess, uh, opportunity. I guess there's just so much opportunity. You know, each one of these brave men and women that have gone on before us have taught me something. They have left a lasting legacy through all of us, right? And I can, I can tell you right now, I, said, I can ask you a question. All right, right now, think of a person who has left you something has taught you something, has explained something to you that you didn't know. All of those people who, who forms us, right? While walking through the forest one day, a man found a young eagle who had fallen out of his nest. He took it home and he put it in the barnyard where it's too, it soon learned to eat and behave like the chickens. One day, a naturalist passed the farm and asked why it was that the king of all birds should be confined to live in the barnyard with the chickens. The reformer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken, it had never learned to fly. Since it now behaved as chickens, it was no longer an eagle. Still, it had the heart of an eagle. And can it surely be taught, the naturalist said. He lifted the eagle toward the sky and said, You belong to the sky and not to the earth. Stretch forth your arms and wings and fly. The eagle, however, was confused. He did not know who he was. And seeing the chickens eating their food, he jumped down to be with them and start pecking at the ground. The naturalist took the bird to the roof of the house and urged him saying, you are an eagle, stretch forth your wings and fly. But the eagle is afraid of his unknown self and the world around him. And he jumped down once more to the chicken feed. Finally, the naturalist took the eagle out of the barnyard to a high mountain. There he held the king of the birds high above him and encouraged him to fly, saying, You are an eagle. Stretch out your, your wings and fly. The eagle looked around, back towards the barnyard and up to the sky. Then the naturalist lifted him straight towards the sun, and it happened. The eagle began to tremble. Slowly he stretched his wings 
And with a triumphant cry, he soared away into the heavens. It may be that the eagle still remembers the chickens and the barnyard. It may even be that he occasionally revisits that barnyard. But as far as anyone knows, he has never returned to lead the life of a chicken. We, right now, are raising eagles or we're raising chickens. Our legacy molds the future. Your legacy molds the future. No matter how old you are in here, your legacy molds the future. I heard a sermon one time by Jerry Flurry, and I added a couple of his topics and points into mine. And it's talking about leaving that lasting legacy. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. The good man leaveth something, right? The good man leaveth. A legacy is defined as money or property bequeathed to another by will or something handed down from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. Legacies are rare and special gifts from one person to another, from one generation to the next. As Christians, we should seek to leave a lasting legacy of godliness, right, for those who come behind us. So I have a Baptist background, so we know what that means, right? I usually have three to five points, and I have three endings. Hey, so to close, you know, I have three. So I'm going to go ahead and say to close, that gives me one, I got two more. But here's three, three points and three conditions for leaving a lasting legacy. If you're a note taker, this is where you would start. Number one is maintaining godly character and conduct. In Proverbs 22, 1, a good name, literally character, is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Your name is everything. And here's what's interesting about a name is you can taint it pretty quickly. It takes you forever to build it up, right? So you take forever to build your name, and then one thing wrong wipes it all away. So you've got to be on guard all the time. You've got to be looking around, okay, i got to remember that I, I, I am my father's child. Every move that I make in life reflects Mark Garrison, my father, and my mother, Bev Garrison. I reflect them in all the decisions I make. Sometimes they've not been that good. Sometimes they've not been that good. Like leaving early in the morning and trying to get here at 4.30 and at dark and then light at 4.30. You know, all that kind of those decisions sometimes are not my greatest decisions. But in our day, we live in an age, though, of a moral vacuum. Now understand me on this. Some things that I may say, you may like, ah, that's kind of tough. Why would you say that? Here's what I have to say about anything negative people say in a pulpit. There's hope for all of us. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, where you are going, you have hope. And that's what I like to preach is about hope. And how I want to tie that back into this legacy is I want my kids and I want those to come behind me to know there is hope. No matter what situation you get yourself in. It seems like today, though, character doesn't count. To put it candidly, you can sleep around, still be a good brain surgeon. 
You could cheat on your mate and have little trouble continuing to practice law. Apparently, it's no problem to stay in politics and plagiarize. You can be a successful salesperson and cheat on your income tax. You just about can get away with anything. Chuck Swindoll talks about this in one of his sermons. He talks about how where did our morals go? Look at what's taking place in society today. There's still hope. Oh, Chap and Garrison, you know, I hear this all the time. Chap and Garrison, it's, it's, man, this world is just going downhill so fast. I mean, what are we going to do? And I look around, I go, oh, we ain't done yet. We ain't done yet. That we ain't done yet. So just a southern lingo, you're probably like, what does he just say? We ain't done yet. That means, hey, the people that are sitting here today, under the sound of my voice, even on, on video, we are the ones who changed this. So when you're talking about leaving a legacy, we can either start and leave the same legacy that's been left to us, or we can change it. We can change it. That's the hope. 2 Peter 1.5 says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith in virtue. Like moral excellence and continue to grow. That's the key is to continue to grow, not to give up. Many people just want to give up. Oh, it's just horrible out there. No, it's not. Go change it. Well, you can't change the world. You can sure try. You can sure try. 1 Peter 15, 1, 15 through 16. But as which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or conduct, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We put a great amount of value on reputation. Reputation's everything, right? That value we put on reputation is unbelievable. It's a vast difference, though, between character and reputation. I want to split these up real quick. So reputation is what you're supposed to be. Character is what you are. Reputation is what you have when you come to a new community. Character is what you have when you go away. Reputation is made in a moment. Character is built in a lifetime. Reputation grows like a mushroom. Character grows like an oak. Your reputation is learned in an hour. Your character does not come to light for a year. A single newspaper report gives your reputation. A life of toil gives you your character. Reputation makes you rich or makes you poor. Character makes you happy or makes you miserable. This is a good one. Reputation is what men say about you on your tombstone. Character is what angels say about you before the throne of God. And William Davis says this, your reputation is what men think you are. Your character is what God knows you are. That's good. So let's start over. Chaplain Garrison's crazy. I get it, right? And he's don't even know where he's at. Not much sleep. If I say something you agree with, it's okay to say amen. It's actually even okay to nod your head a little bit. Because here's what it does for me. It says, oh, okay, 
They agreed or they are awake. And then that helps me stay awake. <laughs> Another man, Jonathan Edwards. Let me, let me give you two stories real quick. Max Jukes did not believe in religion and married a girl of the same opinion. From this union came 1,026 descendants. Studies show that 300 died prematurely, 100 were sent to penitentiary, 190 sold themselves to different things, to vices, 100 were drunkards, and the family cost the state of New York $1.1 million. Jonathan Edwards believed in God and his Christian training and married a girl of like character. From that union, 729 descendants were studied, and they discovered that 300 were preachers, 65 were college professors, 13 were university presidents, 6 authors, 3 U.S. congressmen, and 1 was a vice president of the United States. A good father will leave his imprint on his daughter for the rest of his life, James Dobson says. I have a chaplain buddy. Yeah, just one. Um, just kidding. I have a chaplain buddy that prays for all military personnel around 1 p.m. every day. Every day his whole life since he became a chaplain. He retired as a one-star admiral. I was at his retirement ceremony, and he was just talking. He was doing his thing, right? I think he thought this was his last sermon. So he was just going all right. He was going through all this stuff. And all of a sudden, his alarm beeped on his phone, on his watch. And he stopped. And this is people that he had ministered for 20 plus years. And he says, well, it's one o'clock. Do you know what that is? And somebody says, it's time to pray, chaplain. So in his retirement ceremony, he stops and prays for our military personnel. That's a wonderful example of godly character. In his retirement ceremony, his alarm goes off, he stops. Now, did he set it up that way? I think so, but that's just me. But I thought it was pretty cool. Number two, it says, hold godly convictions. Deuteronomy 6 and 6 and 7 says this, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto the children, and shall talk of them when you sit in thine house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, your godly convictions should be taught Every single day. Do you think your children are watching you? I have a two-year-old son. Yeah, think about that. We'll talk about it later. I have a two-year-old son. And the other day, my wife was telling me the story that they, he loves diggers. You know, dirt, like backhoes. He loves all that. Like, that's his, that's his thing among a, a bunch of other things. And, um, and there was a digger out there, and my wife had said, you know, hey, look at that digger. And he's two, and he said, that's a, that's a forklift. And I was like, I looked at him, like, what, what, what did you just say? She said, he said, that was a forklift. He said, she said, so I stopped, and I looked over there, and you know what it was? I said, I imagine it was a forklift. She's like, it was a forklift. Now, he only knows those things because we teach him those things. So I bought a military Humvee last week. I know, <laughs> I know, trust me. People ask, say the same thing, why would you ever do that? Well, I don't know either. My wife don't either. So the other night, as my son's praying, he knows to pray for all things. And he prays for his mother, father, or sisters, and then he says, amen. And then as he finishes, he forgot something, and he said, and the Humvee. And I was very thankful for that. 
because I'm probably going to need those prayers when I start working on it. But they learn from us, right? They learn these words from us. They learn these sayings from us. They learn our actions. They see how we treat people. They see how we treat the homeless. They see how we treat each other. They see how we treat each spouse. Our kids and people around us are learning from you today. There are people that said, you know what? They didn't have to get up to go to church this morning. But they did. Did y'all see them drive by this morning? Did you know that people are actually watching you like that? They are. And with social media, it's even worse. Do you know the people that really can determine how, what your character is by the things you post on Facebook? That's crazy. That's pretty shallow. If your only determination of how someone is about what you see on, on social media, whew, we're behind the times a little bit. We got to get back at it. There's a difference between conviction and a preference. The difference between a conviction and a preference, according to U.S. Supreme Court, a preference is a very strong belief held with great strength. You can give your, your entire life in a full-time way to service of the preference and can also give your entire material wealth in the name of the belief. You got to dissect that a little bit. A conviction, holding to godly convictions, a conviction is a belief that you will not change. We all as chaplains have certain, certain convictions that we can't change. That this, is, this is who we are. There's certain things that we, we, we can't do. A conviction is something you can't change. What are your convictions? So I'm going to ask, no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to ask everybody to stand up and tell your conviction. Just, just kidding. Um, but you got you to think about that. And you got to know what they are. Like, I've been in discussions with people, and they're like, I just don't know, Chapman Garrison, I just don't know. I'm like, why do you not know? Like, what are you teaching people? Like, what are you teaching your children? Do you not need, ah, it just kind of changes. Wow. No convictions? Nothing that says, like, this is what my family's standing on? I bet your daddy has some, and I bet your mama had some. Because those older generations live by convictions. Now, I'm not saying that all of them are great, but they did know what they believed in. I, I, I believe that's what we need to do. We need to know what our convictions are. And sometimes those things get a little, little, little scary. Because sometimes you actually have to stand up to them. Sometimes you have to stand on your, on your convictions. Why? A man believes that his God requires it of him. We believe that God has given us convictions that we got to stand on. A conviction is not something that you discover. It is something that you purpose, that's a purpose in your heart. That's your core belief. Convictions on the inside will always show up on the outside in a person's lifestyle. To violate a conviction would be a sin. Oh, Chavi Garcia, you done said the sin word now. Now I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to lunch. It's okay. There is a good barbecue place here local, but I'll tell you all about that later. I know where to find barbecue restaurants all over the world. Did y'all know there's barbecue restaurants all over the world? There are. I have a list of them. 2 Timothy 1, 12 through 14 says this. I am not ashamed for I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which you has heard of me. You know, hold fast. Hold fast is something that I think I, 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 it's kind of one of my things, right? Like, 
I'm just going to hold the line. I'm going to try my best, right? And what, if I get off that line, I hope somehow that I've left just a one finger on that line where it can pull me back. I'm trying to stay on that line as purposefully as I can. And that's what I think when he says hold fast and just stay the course. Stay the course. Which I'm curious, are you saying that you don't supposed to help people that don't believe like you? That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is on your convictions, people should know what they are. I read this little goofy poem the other day, and I really had a debate internally in my head, which is really scary, because if you saw it, it's messed up. So I thought, well, should I read it or should I not? And then I thought this morning, I'm going to read it. Here's the little poem, and it's pretty interesting. Daddy had a little boy. His soul was white as snow. He never went to Sunday school because daddy wouldn't go. He never heard the word of God that thrills the selfish mind, the childish mind, excuse me. While other children went to class, this child was left behind. As he grew from babe to youth, dad saw to his dismay. A soul that once was snowy white had become a dingy gray. Realizing that his son was lost, dad tried to win him back. But now the soul that once was white had turned to an ugly black. Dad even started back to church in Bible study too. He begged the preacher, isn't there a thing that you can do? The preacher tried, failed and said, we're just too far behind. I tried to tell you years ago, but you would pay me no mind. And so another soul was lost that once was white as snow. Church would have helped, but daddy wouldn't go. That's a goofy little poem, but I'm going to tell you there's some truth behind that. There's some truth behind everyone watching what we do. The third is this. <clears throat> Demonstrating godly compassion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Compassion. Compassion. Where do you think that you rank on the compassion meter? <clears throat> If one's the lowest, you have no compassion. Ten's the highest, you have compassion for everyone and everything. Where are you at? Where are you at on the compassion meter? Mine is up and down, just being honest with you. Sometimes I can't stand some ignorance, right? I'm just not good with it. It just don't make any sense to me. So I'm probably not as compassionate about that. But I should be. But sometimes I'll ride past someone, a homeless person on the road and think, man, you know what? I needed to give them some money or at least just check on them, see how they are. And then I go, sometimes I treat homeless people better than I do my own family. Oh, Tori, that's not good. No, it's not. It's not. But we tend to have compassion for others, sometimes greater than we do for our own people. Here's where this is a perfect example of this. Y'all ready? Church. In church, we have less compassion for those who make mistakes than we do for people that we don't even know outside of church. Anytime that a pastor fails or a chaplain fails, we want to just kick them out to the pastor and say, you're done. But if we see someone in, the, in, in our community that has done something wrong, our compassion meter goes to 10 and we want to help them people out. <clears throat> That's tough. That is tough because here's the deal. One day you're going to need the compassion. One day you're going to need someone to say, you know what? 
I'd love to help you. What about that? Colossians 3.21 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they be discouraged. Ephesians 6, and fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need parents that demonstrate love in all things, to their children, to their spouses, to their, to, to their families, to, to their friends. We need, we need parents that show compassion. We need leaders that show compassion. I spoke to a commander the other day, a wing commander, and we were talking about different things going on in a unit, and it was, it's kind of rough. It was, some, it, was some, it was some interesting stuff. I could even share one part of it, and you know where it was at, so I won't. But it was, it was interesting stuff that's going on. And I could hear in the commander's voice the compassion that he just wants to help. Like, Chaplain, what, what do I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, even hearing that you're compassionate, we're on the right track. Like, we just got to figure out how to get people help. We have issues in our military, right? I've never shied away from it. Never. Still here. But we have issues just like we have issues everywhere. But what I know that can happen is that with compassionate leadership, we can make a turn. And I think the same thing in our families. So maybe you're looking at today and you go, you know what, Chaplain Garrison, my compassionate scale is about a one, two right now. I'm not very compassionate toward people. Uh, actually, I'm getting sick of people. <laughs> I don't even want to be around people. I get it. I get it. That can turn, though. You can turn that. And here's how you turn compassion from your level from a one or two up to at least an eight. I'll give you eight. Is you first got to become happy with yourself. Where are you at personally? Where are you at in your career? Where are you at with your love of God? Where about with your church family? Where are you at in your family? How do you feel about yourself? That's where we start all of this. When we start talking about a legacy and we go back to what we leave for people, it starts with ourself. It starts about how you feel. And I'm telling you, it, it changes the world. Your whole mindset changes. Your love for people changes. Actually, how people treat you changes by you starting to love yourself. It's unbelievable what the love of yourself can help. In my civilian world, I work at a construction company, right? And I, I'm, uh, I'm the vice president of EHS and leadership development. So I have a lot of opportunity to meet people and talk with people about leadership, and we talk a lot about helping others and how we help others and how you go about helping people get to that next point of their career. And someone said, Tori, what, what, what do you like to see? What, what is something that you like to see happen in a company? Where do you see something positive, you know? And, and what they were getting at, and we talked about this a little bit later, was that, you know, I just like to see everybody around me uh, uh, elevated. And I want to see everybody around me uh, become better. And you know what I said? I kind of got some goals too. And they're like, what? You go to the chaplain said he's got goals? Yes. There's some things that I want in life. There's some things that I feel personally that I want to achieve. I'm not talking about stepping on people and I'm not talking about, you know, pushing people to the side, but I'm talking about taking care of yourself. I'm talking about like, hey, take care of yourself and feel better about yourself and see how you can affect people around you. It's pretty remarkable. 
And they're like, well, oh, Tori, I just never thought you'd say that. I thought you were more worried about it. I am concerned about other people. I'd love to see people, you know, get their, their, their goals and, and get their mindset right. I love all of that. I'm all for it. I'm a chaplain. But at the same time, I want to feel good about myself too. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a weird one. Y'all are going to think about that later and go, I don't know if I believe that. So here in the conclusion, number two, I'm going to wrap this up. Number two, I want to give you five things real quick that my dad taught me. Five things. Now, my daddy grew up in Alabama, right? This My whole family just from Alabama. We just Alabama people. The first thing my dad taught me as a legacy. Now, let me capture this a little bit again. Well, I won't because you may be watching, Daddy. I love you. Number one is he taught me be nice and help everyone that you can. My dad is the perfect example of giving the, the shirt off his back. He, he would give anything to anybody. Even when I was hungry and I wanted the sun kiss, he'd give it to somebody else. But my dad says to be nice and help everyone. Number two is do what you can do and move on. Try your best. Do what you can do and move on. Pretty simple. Number three is he always taught me to work hard and don't look for any handouts. Now, I don't ask anybody for help. And I'm not saying that's always good because community is really nice to have. But I don't ask for help. But I love to help people. So my wife and I have these discussions all the time. She's like, why do you not let people help you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't like to bother people. And, I, you know, my daddy taught me to work hard. So sometimes when I'm asking for help, it's like I'm not working hard. So there are some things I'm working through. I'm, on, I'm in counseling for that. Or if not, I'll start today. Um, but work hard and I'll look for a handout. <clears throat> Number four, one of the most critical things that my dad taught me, and some of you will not understand this at all, some of you will get it, is, is never pull for Auburn. Some of you got, I'm from Alabama, roll tide. Okay, it's okay. And number five, it, it, that is true though, we can't even wear orange and blue in our house together. So I'm just telling you, it's, a, it's, it's, it's ingrained. Number five is to go to church and teach your kids to go to church. Those are pretty four or five solid things. Actually, all five would be pretty good to teach. Pretty five solid things to teach your children or teach each other. As we move into a holiday season designed to honor what soldiers gave up to leave us something, what are you leaving the generations behind you? What is the legacy you are leaving? Do you know if you answer that right now and say, I'm just not sure, do you know you can create that today? The beauty of what God has given us on earth is every day is a new day. Every single day is a new day. And you can create whatever legacy you want today. No one dictates that for you but you. It's pretty good. Even if you've made mistakes, even if your children know your mistakes, why don't you show them how to overcome a mistake? That'd be pretty good. What if you made bad decisions in life and your children saw you make bad decisions? Why don't you show them how to make a good decision? I've been to a lot of cemeteries in my life, a lot of military cemeteries. I've done a lot of uh, funerals or just different things. And every time I walk among those tombstones, I look around and I go, wow, 
if they could talk. If these tombstones could talk. If these people could give us one more story. I won't ever have the opportunity of that because I don't know these people. I don't know each of you. But there are people that I promise you are today thinking, what do I do from here? And you have that answer. And we just, we've got to pull together and help each other. I believe it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm closing for a third time, which is my final. If you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just ask you today, why not? Why not? Maybe you have great reasons. Maybe you don't have a good reason, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I've never preached without giving people the opportunity to accept Christ. It's one of, it's one of those things I've I got to stand on. But it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with this chapel. It has nothing to do with people sitting beside you. It has nothing to do with anybody else except between you and God. But you can pray a prayer real simple. Something like this, Father, I'm a sinner. I know I've failed multiple times. Father, I know that I'm going to fail many more times. And I know one thing for sure is I need you. And your word says it's simple. For whosoever believes in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. But Lord, today, I trust in you. I want to make a change in my life. I want to leave a legacy that people can be proud of, that I can be proud of. Father, and I can only do that through you. So today, Lord, I give this all back to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you, if you don't mind doing so. If you prayed that prayer this morning, can I just see your eyes? I just want to pray for you. Okay, okay, thank you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. I just want to connect eyes. Thank you. Anyone else? I just want to connect eyes. If I've connected eyes with you, we're good to go. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Father, you see the hearts and the minds of your people. Father, I know at least five people this morning prayed that prayer. So I know by your teachings, there's a party going on in heaven. The angels are rejoicing that someone has come to you, Father. How humbling. How humbling. Father, we love you. We love this base, Father. We love this chapel. Father, we love these people. Be with our airmen. Be with our military personnel. Father, as Monday, we move into Monday, Father, may, may the legacies of these great men and women be profound. In Jesus' name, amen. pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share. Thank you for stopping by our station. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you.